Hello, listeners. This is Abraham Lincoln, 16th President of the United States, and one of the co-hosts of 15 Minutes with Lincoln, a political podcast that touches on today's political events. This is actually going to be a bit of a special episode. It's just going to be me today, and I am just here to wish all of you a very happy Juneteenth. Now, if you're not familiar with what Juneteenth is or what it represents, that's understandable, but please take some time today to make sure that you familiarize yourself with it and pay some solemn remembrance to it. Now, I say it's understandable because of the history that this holiday has had in the course of this country. Obviously, I was not around for most of this history. I only recently came back to modernity uh, about four years ago uh, when the other co-hosts Timothy Robert Dunn visited the Lincoln House in Springfield, Illinois, and somehow our souls became cosmically intertwined, and now our destinies are somehow bound together. Nonetheless, Timothy cannot be here today. He has an engagement on OnlyFans, doing more short-form improv uh, for his community. Nonetheless, Juneteenth started 155 years ago today, on June 19, 1865, when Major General Gordon Granger, who I was not familiar with, arrived at Galveston, Texas, to proclaim the freedom of all slaves in Texas. Through General Order Number 3, the people of Texas were informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the Executive of the United States, all slaves are free. Now, this references, of course, the Emancipation Proclamation as it became known, which I issued at the beginning of 1863 in the midst of the American Civil War. Though the events of the initial Juneteenth took place several months after my assassination in April of 1865, they nonetheless did not come as a surprise to me when I learned about them, for it was well known that many parts of the country, not just in the South and the parts that seceded during the American Civil War, were not honoring the Emancipation Proclamation. We actually, as a government and as a people, expected the Civil War to wage on long after Robert E. Lee surrendered at Appomattox Courthouse to General Grant. However, it seemed as if Things didn't take the form that we expected, for we anticipated that many of the Southern soldiers would continue to fight as guerrillas throughout the mountains against uh, the federal government throughout the United States as we tried to reestablish it in the parts that were in rebellion. Uh, however, it seems as if the soldiers were so beaten by the events of the war and were otherwise so depleted for it seems that when Grant accepted surrender, he was shocked to see the elderly and the prepubescent joining the ranks of the Confederacy, and the Confederacy were shocked to see the vigor and the robust state of the Union troops, who were well-clothed and well-fed, whereas the Confederates were malnourished and looked like a bunch of grimy, desolate gutter punks. Very racist gutter punks, but nonetheless very filthy and unkempt. So, this did not necessarily occur, for Robert E. Lee discouraged this initially right after the war, I think in large part because of General Grant's gracious terms, though disarming the Confederate Army, he in fact disarmed Robert E. Lee's taste for battle by being so uh, generous and allowing the Confederates to keep um, many of their arms, their sidearms and other hunting weapons to make sure that they could still uh, survive, uh, whereas they were forced to turn in any sort of service equipment. And Robert E. Lee found this to be quite um, honorable. However, not honorable enough to stop Robert E. Lee from using his post as president of Washington University, now known as Washington and Lee University, to constantly opine that the South should rise again 
and the South should secede again merely because the federal government dared to stop the unlawful lynchings of African Americans by the Ku Klux Klan. But nonetheless, this is not necessarily a podcast about Robert E. Lee being a giant douchebag, although I could easily fill two to three hours worth of material doing so. This is about Juneteenth, a very happy celebratory day. Uh, but as Henry Louis Gates has noted, that when Texas fell, finally, and Granger, who I mentioned earlier, Major General Gordon Granger, dispatched that famous number, order number three, it wasn't, uh, as Gates calls it, instant magic. For most of the Lone Star State's 250,000 slaves, on plantations, masters had to decide when and how to announce the news or wait for government agents to arrive. And it was not uncommon for them to delay until after the harvest. Even in Galveston City, the ex-Confederate mayor uh, flouted the a Union Army, the United States of America's Army, by forcing the freed people back to Worth. Texas was known to be a problem area, for we did see many Confederates and Confederate commanders um, escape there after the war, and General Grant was actually in favor of sending in the Union Army to Texas to break them up, for he was worried that they would either try to secede or they would run into Mexico to pillage and otherwise continue to instill slavery in that territory. So Texas was, in fact, a problem area. So it is perhaps fitting that the initial Juneteenth, the origin of this sacred holiday, would begin there in Texas, where word of the Emancipation Proclamation was held for so long. Now, two things left to cover. One, I should again discuss the reasoning behind the Emancipation Proclamation, and also I would like to discuss why it is that we have not heard more about this holiday until recently. First, in regards to the Emancipation Proclamation, I have talked about this at length on this podcast in the past. It was drafted throughout 1862 after uh, Horace Greeley, who was oftentimes a uh, spur on my side, making it very clear to me that something needed to be done about the state of slavery. For all knew that slavery was the cause of the Civil War, something I've talked about at length, at length on this podcast, and something I stated in my second inaugural, uh, but something was needed to be done about it. So after a couple of preliminary drafts, the Emancipation Proclamation was issued on January 1st, 1863. It was, in fact, a wartime measure. As I stated on many occasions, I would do anything to save the Union if that meant freeing all the slaves or freeing no slaves. I was interested in preserving the Union. Now, that does not mean that it was not also a moral proclamation, for I had said repeatedly that I believed slavery to be abhorrent, and it was well on its way out, dying out, before a group of selected racist interests uh, pursued it to ensure that it would last. And I was interested in seeing that it would not last at this point, now that the war had already begun. And I had issued it with both war and moral purposes. For war purposes, Yes, it is clearly stated that the slave states still in the Union, those border states, so Kentucky, Missouri, uh, Maryland, and then Delaware, which isn't really a border state, but it was a slave state, something you don't really think about uh, these days. Uh, Delaware, the uh, home state of Joe Biden, um, I don't probably need to throw that in there, but it is interesting nonetheless that it was a slave state. Uh, they were uh, exempt from the Emancipation Proclamation, or at least officially so. For even though the Emancipation Proclamation only applied to the states in active rebellion that were in the South, it had the effect of destabilizing slavery 
in the Union. All knew that it was on its way out officially any time now, and it encouraged abolitionists and also encouraged the majority of people to begin considering what America would look like without slavery. More importantly, it also allowed for African Americans to begin to serve as soldiers in the Union Army. Now, this was obviously a wartime measure. It boosted our ranks while at the same time depleting the ranks of the South of the um, labor force. However, it was in fact a way to ensure a path to citizenship for African Americans and all the benefits that citizenship entailed. In further support of the Emancipation Proclamation as a moral measure, not merely a wartime one, was that amnesty or forgiveness for anyone in the South who had rebelled against the United States during the Civil War was conditional upon them recognizing that the Emancipation Proclamation should take hold. This was eventually codified into the 13th and 14th and 15th Amendments in many ways, um, but nonetheless, that was some sticking point that I insisted upon. Finally, and most importantly, I will discuss the reasons why Juneteenth is not a more widely recognized and celebrated holiday in the United States today. The answer is as sad as it is simple, and that is racism. Racism in American society. Though Juneteenth was an important holiday in African-American societies, it did not cross over to American mainstream society at large. And the popularity of the holiday even waned in African-American communities as well. As Alan C. Guazello says that in 1913, there was a grand celebration of the 50th anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation. But by 1963, that enthusiasm had waned. He says, 1963, the year of the Proclamation Centennial, that time, unlike 1913, the anniversary arrived under a cloud of bitterness and denial. The organizer of a symposium on the proclamation at the University of Chicago wonders sardonically why there was not a grand and official national celebration of the 100th anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation and answered his own question with another question, what is there to celebrate? That is a brutal indictment on the state of America at the time without civil rights, without equality, continuing to suffer under Jim Crow, continuing to perpetuate systemic racism throughout all institutions, and therefore it seems as if it would ring hollow to celebrate the emancipation of African Americans when so little had truly changed. This is not to say the present recognition of the Juneteenth holiday is due to us overcoming all of these atrocities. In fact, it is to say the contrary. Though there has been some progress, we now more than ever seem to understand the work that all of us have remaining to do to ensure justice for all. And the hereto mentioned past progress is no excuse for future inaction. Gall cites Tocqueville in saying, When inequality is the common law of society, the strongest inequalities do not strike the eye. But when everything is nearly on a level, the least of them wound it. Today, let us continue to wind our visions around these existing injustices. Let us persist in expunging these persistent inequalities. Let us not employ Juneteenth as another empty congratulations for the accomplishments behind us, but rather allow us to observe Juneteenth as a map for future uncharted territories. Let us all rededicate ourselves to the cause of human rights. Let us renew our devotion to the cause of human liberty. Let us assure that our institutions provide the instruments of safety and security to all of us equally.
Though today we have come far, there remains more for us to go. To stay the course, happy Juneteenth.